This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. <laughs> I am Joe Lipset, and I am joined, as always, by Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. And folks, we are talking about Double Jeopardy. It is Ashley Judd goodness, as I just said, off the air. This <laughs> movie is such a comfort watch for me. I don't know if it's good, but I'm completely biased <laughs> because I think it's a lot of fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I had a lot of fun. I could see it being a comfort watch. It just feels like slight and just kind of very aesthetically pleasing, you know? Mm-hmm. This was a first time watch for me, actually. Um, and I, I think that once you kind of give up any pretense that you're going to see something that resembles reality it's a lot of it's a lot of fun um yeah gina what are you talking about there is a law that if you kill your husband you can kill him again this this entire movie seems designed to get us to that scene of just Mm -hmm. her able to say that you know i could kill you in the middle of fifth avenue yeah, which, I mean, I don't hate, but it's just, yeah. Oh, he definitely has it coming. I mean, I just, you know, I, I don't know <laughs> oh, that definitely. actually works that way. <laughs> right. No. I, I remember when the movie came out and there was a lot of debate, like, wait, is this a real deal? Could I be found guilty of murder and then actually go and kill the person? And people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is a pretty starkly fiction, but also you want to go through this experience? Like, it looks horrible. <laughs> horrible for this character right yeah i think she's in jail for like what eight years i think it's like six or eight it's just like she misses her child's entire upbringing like the jump from this child being a little brat who doesn't know enough to keep his mouth shut when (laughs) dead daddy comes home all Mm. the way up to kid from unbreakable before he gets famous is like (laughs) that's a pretty big jump that's right. He is in Unbreakable. I just know him in the new town that dreaded Sundown. Who oh, I, I, am. I had a crush mm-hmm. on. So yeah. And, oh, he's also in the Last House on the Left. I think too. I think that so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I will confess, I find his face slightly punchable. That's probably <laughs> offensive, but <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. All little boys from that period, they all looked exactly the same. Like him and, and um, <laughs> Haley Joel Osment and the kid from um, Phantom Menace. They just they all looked. Th- they all had those. They all had those little haircuts with the bangs. Yep. They all had that little like kind of <laughs> perpetually worried look on their faces. Like they they all looked exactly <laughs> the same. Mm-hmm. It's very precocious. Yes, mm-hmm. I I find his face very kissable now, but I can okay. see the punchable. <laughs> I like the caveat that you said now. Now, yes. Oh, yes. I would. I only had a crush on him when he is age appropriate because I would never, you know, do anything inappropriate. And Jen is no longer on the podcast. She's been taken away. It's my last episode, everybody. Now Joe and I have to make a video where we look very sad and say we're going to have to remove you from all previous episodes. 
God, it's so much work to get rid of one entire person out of the group. Jen, don't do this to us, please. I, okay, I won't. I won't. I'll think about you guys. <laughs> okay, so we we have not actually talked about what the premise of this film is, but yes. Uh, so Ashley Judd is Libby Parson. She is married to Mr. Bruce Greenwood, who, of course, we just <laughs> talked about in Gerald's Game. So I love that this Canadian actor is out there just playing smarmy prick assholes in mm. all of these films and looking real good doing it. I was going to oh, say, yeah. rich, uh-huh. hands- he, he just basically got that rich, handsome scumbag market cornered. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Just easing through life, you know, screwing over women right and left. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Yeah, so he ends up faking his death, but of course, we're not really meant to know that. Even though, if you ever watched the trailer for this, that scene where she confronts him in New Orleans when he's affecting that terrible accent, Mm -hmm. that (laughs) is in the trailer. So you're just like, oh yeah, no, we already know what the premise is. Also, it's right there in the title. Well, that's true, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so he ends up faking his own death and sending her to prison for a number of years. He absconds with the nanny and then proceeds to blow her up in a house fire that occurs off screen and then reinvents himself as a rich entrepreneur in New Orleans. And then she has to track him down while also evading Tommy Lee Jones because this is secretly a sequel slash remake of The Fugitive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it yes. is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, I kept wanting to yell, I don't care in my little Tommy Lee Jones accent. Okay, but so I thought, because I could see this as being a like secret sequel to The Fugitive, but also the um, Along Came a Spider, like the Alex right. Cross of it. Is, is mm-hmm. that connected in any way to this? Uh, so it is not related, but of course this does come out after the fact. So I think that's part of the reason why this film ended up getting made, because Ashley Judd was very much in her thriller phase. We were doing a lot of these movies in the mid to late 90s, oh, right? Yeah. Like oh, I feel yeah. like there was so much bread and butter. It's it's not quite women in danger, but it's like women having to do things for themselves because the system and or men have fucked them up. Mm-hmm. And I, like, this is how I know Ashley Judd. This is why I like her. I know, obviously, she's connected to the Judd family. So Mm. a lot of people were like, oh, it's nepotism. She's just related to her more famous sister. And I was like, no, no, I know her from those, like, female empowerment thrillers in the 90s where she kicked ass. Totally, yes. Yeah, Kiss the Girls is the one I remember watching. I know I had seen this before because I remembered the beats of it. But yeah, I mean, as a Nashville girl, I know her from country music. Not that I ever really listened to the Judds, but like, I feel like she's got my kind of Nashville accent, you know, mm-hmm. like she she feels like somebody that I would run into in Nashville, you know, so I've always kind of have a soft spot for her. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because now that I'm thinking about it, she does have a bit of a drawl. Yeah, just a little bit, you know. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> But she also gets major ass in a lot of movies, which I love, so. Well, okay, so this is also kind of a good-for-her movie, and Mm -hmm. I will say, I think Ashley Judd fully commits to this role. Like, the movie, as you said, Jen, it's very slight. It's a little bit silly, as you suggested, Gina. Like, (laughs) we're not meant to take any of this Double Jeopardy stuff seriously, but there's so much conviction to the way that Judd plays this. And what I really love is how she's got that kind of naivete about her perfect idealistic life at the beginning. 
And then she becomes a major kick-ass and she just doesn't care about things anymore. And I kind of love that she just throws away all of the niceties as the movie gets going. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to break the law. I'm going to fuck people over. I'm going to steal cars and do whatever I need to do to Mm -hmm. get back my son. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to drive a car off a ferry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's her plan? (laughs) Right. I know. Yeah, she just she was just trusting the kindness of Tommy Lee Jones to come save her. Mm-hmm. And I mean oh, it man. works. <laughs> it's true. He's got the the weirdest backstory though. I love that we're meant to care that he's kind of a recovering alcoholic with not a heart of gold because he does not care about any of the women that he is overseeing in this halfway house like super happy to send women back to prison for the slightest infraction but also tommy lee jones yeah totally <laughs> yeah he, he he's like perfectly he's got that you know i have a headache look that he has in every movie and it just really like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just really cranked up here he just looks exasperated from beginning to end the movie and i love it so much yeah i love that he basically has to tell that person midway through the film like no i have to go and find this woman because she kind of ruined my life (laughs) even though his life was not very good to begin with because Mm -hmm. he certainly didn't seem very satisfied with it oh no this is like his sad second career you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's like running a he's running a halfway house for like women just out of prison, which turns out it's not nearly right. as sexy. It's not nearly as sexy as you might think. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and I wish like I I don't know. I'm kind of arguing in my head with myself because I feel like this movie is so quickly paced right. that we don't really spend much time with him getting to know him. So if I had Mm-mm. not known him or seen him from the fugitive, I would have been like who's this guy you know let's get back to hot versus greenwood but i also like like for as flimsy as the plot is like if you spend too much time on any of these scenarios the whole thing's gonna crash and burn you know yeah yeah it's very clearly designed to just kind of keep you moving from action set piece to action set piece Mm -hmm. so that you're not spending any amount of time thinking about wait how does she do this like where does she get money from i mean i i appreciated that brief moment where she touches base with her mother so that she can dig up money that she has buried in the family (laughs) farm Mm. although part of me thought wow how bad is tommy lee jones and the cops that they didn't have her mother's house staked out Mm -hmm. yeah these cops are not winners i loved the scene where like the sand dune scene where they just kind of tumble down the hill and like their vehicle loses chase for this woman on foot. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really pretty to watch, you know. I feel like the like it's interesting you said action set pieces, but and that is absolutely what they are, but they feel like the stakes feel so low with all of them that I'm like, yeah, this is fun. I can watch this. You know, I don't ever I'm never afraid that anyone's going to die, you know. Yeah, no. Except the one person that deserves it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just hanging on till the end, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I would say that the the moment that's meant to be most dangerous is when she finally confronts him and then she has to leave that expensive party because, of course, Tommy Lee Jones has shown up. Mm-hmm. And then she meets him very foolishly in a completely deserted New Orleans cemetery. And mm-hmm. Bruce Greenwood just knocks her out and leaves her in a crypt. And I thought, ma'am, 
what were you thinking with this? Right. Like, but at the same time, do I ever worry that she won't get out of the crypt or that she might die or might mm. she even might need rescuing? It's like, nah, she'll be fine. She'll yeah. be fine. I, I think my favorite part about that scheme is is how he has paid a child, just a random child, mm-hmm. to like, okay, what I want you to do is wander around this graveyard. Make sure this woman keeps following you. <laughs> and the kid's like, yeah, all mm-hmm. right, whatever, dude. <laughs> Give me my five bucks. Yeah. That is horrific too, though. When she wakes up on top of that corpse, it's like oh, it takes this sharp turn into the macabre. Mm-hmm. Here for it, but also gross. Yeah, I almost feel like the movie could have done with just a little bit more of that kind of stuff. I yeah. appreciate that this is very much towing the line. Like you know how we horror fans often say, "Oh, everything falls under the banner or the umbrella of horror," right? Like mm-hmm. thrillers, erotic thrillers, uh, you know, supernatural, whatever. Like it doesn't have to be serial killers and zombies, but. This is probably stretching the definition. I do think that this is a bit more of a traditional action film, Mm -hmm. but there's these little moments of darkness. Like even when she wakes up on the boat after Bruce Greenwood has faked his death, she's just following that trail of blood. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, that's really good. And then you watch her very foolishly and stupidly pick up the knife just as the Coast Guard shines the light (laughs) on her. And she's like, ooh, this isn't what it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I need her to watch a couple more uh, horror movies and mysteries to know you don't ever do that. (laughs) I mean, girl is clearly not a true crime fan. Exactly. She would have known better. Yeah. No, I love that sailboat, though. Um, And Mm. just the whole, like, the way all of the the first part of this movie unfolds, it's gorgeous. It reminds me a lot of Sleeping with the Enemy, which is what, and I think we talked about that a little bit in the chat, how this is maybe like a loose inverse of that. That was a movie I was obsessed with when I was a kid. And so it gave me all of those like, Laura vibes Mm -hmm. when she wakes up covered in blood, so... Uh, yeah, I'll confess the thing that immediately came to my mind because we're talking about people faking their deaths and sailboats was wild things. And I was oh, like, God. oh, there's a <laughs> there's a yin and yang kind of double bill that you could do with this movie. Oh, gosh. Yeah, like the PG and then hard R. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, maybe even X for depending on what cut you get. There you go. <laughs> So, Gina, you said that this was your first time watch. Was there anything that kind of surprised you about this movie? Or were you just like, yes, this is quintessentially mid to late 90s? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was it felt it felt very much of the time. Not not a bad way. But but as you as you were saying earlier, this was sort of a, a part of a rise in female empowerment movies, which I, I sort of feel like you we, at this point, we were out of the erotic thrillers phase and that this was the, this was the new mm-hmm. sort of grown-up entertainment where you know you, you have these these female characters fighting back against like the system or a bad husband or to to write some sort of grave injustice and you know they were they were they were as silly and campy as they seem now at the time they were meant to be taken pretty seriously mm-hmm. right you know and, and obviously they did not expect the audience to go and look up the actual, you know, how double jeopardy really works, and that's fine. You know, mm. I mean, it, there, the, you know, there's there are plenty of movies in which you know you just kind of have to, yeah, I'm just gonna go with whatever you say, movie, fine, to to mm-hmm. you know, in order to enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I I thought it was a as Jen pointed, out, it's it's very fast paced. 
Like, I just think the, the time jump to, like, well, she's in jail. Oh, now six years later. You know? <laughs> like, right. Right. I just thought that was, uh, I, I, I thought that was, you know, interesting how they did it. Yet, and yet at the same time, like, yeah, all right, I'm on board with this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption, it ain't. And yet, <laughs> in some ways, you're kind of glad for it, right? Like, I don't want to watch a women in prison film unless that's going to be what this movie is. So mm-hmm. it's really these two women who are not nice to her until she toughens up a little bit and then basically saying, hey, we're all women who have been fucked over by men, by the system. Don't let them do it to you anymore. You got to let go of that idealistic naivete and just like grab life by the balls because it's the only way you're going to get your son back. And Mm -hmm. as a message for, I don't know, I want to say like the lazy days of feminism because the 90s were not great for women in terms of like we talked we kind of talked out of both sides of our mouths with it because you, you've got the whole riot girl thing of the early 90s and then at the same mm-hmm. time you had like the 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 anita hill hearings where people just like completely mm-hmm. blew that off and yep. you know you still had a serious problem not that we don't still now but with sexual harassment in the workplace yeah and you know a lot of media was still not great and i i wanted to to jump on a point that you made about the the prison scene in this joe mm-hmm. is that you can mm-hmm. tell that this movie was made with a female audience in mind because the prison scenes were not sexualized in any way no. like mm-hmm. like there was not like the aggressive lesbian trying to hit on her like mm-hmm. there always is in in prison movies you know, no one's walking around like a bra and panties. They're just, they're just like, you know, they're, they're wearing prison uniforms. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to do the best they can with the limited amount of uh, toiletries that they have. It's, I mean, you know, they've been in prison, but it looks like they're trying to make it look like what it's actually like to be a woman in prison. But, mm-hmm. you know, not and doing it in a way that is not meant to be titillating for a male audience, which I, I that, right. maybe that, that part, but that part might have surprised me a little bit. Although I did think, be, I did think it would be funny, like after six years, when, I, you know, when she starts working out and like six mm-hmm. years later, like I, I wanted to see the camera all these like, bad prison tattoos or like a teardrop. <laughs> right. like, like a mullet now. Yeah. Right, like a mullet or like a hairnet or something, you know. I mean, like I was, I was hoping, like you know, the the, the sleeves cut off of her, like out of over uniform shirt or whatever, you know. But they didn't do that either. Which, yeah, I think they're trying to keep it tasteful, and I appreciate that. I do too. I hadn't thought about that because they, but they easily could have turned this into like really salacious, really scandalous, right. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that I was frustrated by with the prison scenes and it kind of um, what we were talking about with like these empowerment movies in the 90s is they all center white women, you know. I was literally just thinking that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, she basically has to get educated by women of color who are like, Mm -hmm. let me tell you how real life works, bitch. And she's like, ooh, but I'm white. Like bad things have never (laughs) happened to me before. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, and they are, I mean, I love their characters because mm-hmm. I love Roma Mafia. Oh, uh, Roma Mafia. Oh, she, I just love her. And then Davinia McFadden, I believe, is who plays Evelyn. Um, but yeah, they, they, I feel like kind of float into the movie to teach her about life and to say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, get yourself together, girl, and be sassy a little bit. And then just disappear like i kept wanting her to like stay in touch with them or like help them through their own parole hearings but she just does not care about them at all you know 
They literally never come back. And I thought that there would at least be a scene where she would call them and be like, I found him or, Mm -hmm. hey, I got my kid back or even just something that confirms, you know what, these women were a significant part of my life for a fairly lengthy period of time. And they helped me. And instead, it's basically like, nope, she gets out of prison and then they are in the rearview mirror. She will never need to speak to them again. Exactly. And that, when I think about what we titled this show, this kind of gets at that, is Mm -hmm. of the three women that are in crisis in this movie. Because, I mean, I think uh, Margaret alludes, like, yeah, I didn't kill my husband either, you know? Or, like, yeah, we're all innocent. Which, I mean, you know, could just be something they say all a Shawshank. But, like, the only crisis that we are concerned with is the crisis of the white woman. And that was just such a 90s thing. I mean, we're still doing it in film, but I feel like... There's a little bit more of an effort to show like a diversity of women who have crises because we all have crises, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like one of those kind of put in amber moments where you're just like, yeah, I don't think we would have done it this way. Yeah. But you're right, Gina, that at least they didn't go that route like even in something like orange is the new black they often ended up trapezing into the sensational like Mm. okay well let's talk about prison hookups let's talk about woman on woman violence and that doesn't happen here it's just kind of you know what we're all in a not great situation it doesn't look nice like this isn't Mm -hmm. glamorized but also it's just you know yeah she gets a job cutting hair and i think the other woman like roma mafia's character works in the library Mm -hmm. and they've got nothing but time to think about okay what should we focus on for when we get out of here like what does the next stage of our lives look like Mm -hmm. right it's that classic white feminism thing of getting one thing done really well and the other thing you just completely miss (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like you get about halfway (laughs) now uh i do like also that that's contrasted by a very funny character for some reason i cannot find her in this cast list i don't know if imdb or wikipedia just doesn't like her but there is this uppity white bitch who tries (laughs) to outbid her uh at the fundraiser when Mm -hmm. libby arrives in new orleans and i love that character as a stereotype of a kind of southern belle but also she has enough personality to be memorable and distinct when libby's like i'm his wife and she's like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that scene is so much fun i'm just gonna back away from this situation uh yeah he's not worth it honey (laughs) and he isn't No, he's he's not. not. Well, and like, she's doing you a favor, too. Like, probably would have ended up killing you at some point, too. He might be hot and might be able to talk about art, but that's it, you know? Oh, man. That that one single painter that we just want to keep (laughs) referencing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's his whole personality, you know, so... I do love that scene where Libby realizes, okay, well, how am I going to find this guy? Oh, the Kandinsky painting. Like, Mm. that is literally my ex-husband's only claim to fame. (laughs) So Uh she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go into, like, this random little art shop. This man will not desist trying to sell me on anything that I don't want. And she's just like, "Mm, the Kandinsky. What about the Kandinsky? Mm. I fucking said Kandinsky, bitch. (laughs) I had remembered that scene, too. That was funny. Yeah. I mean, like, 
Is this movie great? No. <laughs> is it fun for stuff like that where you just get to watch Ashley Judd be snippety to like this art dealer who then also you know, gets called away and doesn't even think to say, yeah, come to think of it, the woman you're describing sounds exactly like this really annoying <laughs> woman I was just helping in my office. Uh-huh, this really myopic woman, all she can think about is this one painting. And that is the Southern in Ashley Judd that I love so much. And that scene at the auction, like those two scenes of just like being so confident and being like a quote unquote nice bitch because she's being Mm -hmm. I mean she's not being nice but she's being very straightforward and she's like nope this is what I want like very direct that is such a southern thing and I just love it yeah that's funny I had never really thought of it that way mostly because when I watched a lot of this it was back when I was a teenager so I was like (laughs) stupidly unaware of Mm -hmm. oh okay in some ways they're playing on the stereotype of it but also they're using it as a bit of a plot device right like Mm -hmm. that's why Ashley Judd is able to get away with so much of this because she just has to be insistent enough to not be rude basically if she's too rude she'll be memorable and then Mm -hmm. people will be able to identify her to Tommy Lee Jones but even that scene where she's in the New Orleans bar and it's raining and they're doing the search of the city and the bartender's just like I don't like cops and you seem (laughs) to be a nice woman how about you sneak out the back I love that. I love that scene so much. That guy would be my favorite character. He's like, right? here's an umbrella. It's time to leave. <laughs> I just like, I, I love that guy. He, he just had like, he had no reason to help her other than he didn't no. like cops. Like, you know, I, I respect, I respect that. You know, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, man, she could have like murdered six, she could have like murdered six kids for all you know. Right. Like, like, yeah, but I don't like cops. So here. Uh-huh. Right. But she's hot, too, you know, and it's one of those things like... Yeah, that that helps a lot, so... (laughs) Right, right. It kind of is just a study in, like, how, like, an attractive woman can kind Mm -hmm. of just float through all... I mean, she does go to jail, so, I mean, she does have some hardship, but just... Once she gets out, it's just so fun to watch her just kind of own all of these systems, and Mm -hmm. it's really just because she doesn't give a fuck. She's like, I'm just gonna, you know, bust into this school, or I'm gonna... You know, just demand that you give me this Kandinsky, which I love. And that's that assertive, like, good for her kind of element that we get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, watching her figure out how to use the system to her own advantage, which is a bit of a funny thing to say, because really, like, she had everything in the beginning. And then it was just her shitty husband who kind of uprooted her perfect life. But Mm -hmm. I love that she has to get smart about it, but she's still able to use all of these things against themselves. Like... It's a lot of her just listening to things or saying, oh, okay, there's my opening. I'm going to take it. Like when she realizes, oh, if I want to get into that auction and not stand out, I'm going to have to get a fancy dress. Mm -hmm. So she just hangs out in a hotel lobby over here, some rich bitch talking Mm -hmm. about her room number and then charges the dress to that woman's account. Like. It's genius. I know. I was like, can I get a fancy dress that way? <laughs> I wonder yes, if it'll and then work. you go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. But then but then I could steal that same dress later and they can't send me to jail again because they can't right? convict you of stealing the same dress twice. That is how the law works. Mm-hmm. It is. It's foolproof. 
<laughs> yeah, we've we've gamed the system, folks. We, yeah. All we have to do is <laughs> get caught it. and charged once, and yeah. then we can just keep doing it. Well, and go to prison and serve out your sentence, also. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, then we can just keep committing crimes. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb, so silly. <laughs> I know, Love but it. so great. Yeah. <laughs> now I will say one thing: I don't. love is the end of this movie. So for me, the high point is the the confrontation at the charity fundraiser. And then the movie has a couple of good moments. Like we talked about, the cemetery scene is okay. But I actually really don't love the climax where she confronts him in his office and she needs Tommy Lee Jones to come and help her. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that on one hand, this is meant to be a bit of a two-hander. Like, it's partially his movie, partially hers. Mm -hmm. But I kind of hate that she needs him to save her initially. And then, sure, she gets this sort of final killing blow. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Part of me was just like, can we not just get rid of Tommy Lee Jones and let her have the entire climax to herself? Mm Mm-hmm. Or just, have, or just have him show up like immediately afterwards. Because I mean, he he mm-hmm. believes her by that point. Like he he yeah. mm-hmm. knows what's going on and he believes her. So if it's right. some sort of you know oh I, I need you here to see and you know be present when he admits to what he did, that's not really what's happening here. He already he already does believe her. Yeah. Yes. I think when I watch this, like the way the climax unfolds, I do like it. Like I like that she's going to send him to jail. For mm-hmm. killing her, I like that he's got this taped confession. I agree with you. I do wish that she could just have the climax all to herself. But I also kind of like, like, I think Bruce Greenwood just assumes Tommy Lee Jones is going to be on his side. Right. And I love that we get this kind of, he realizes that it's not like that all It's not going to work out for him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not that like men are, a, I don't know, it's like. He can't bro his way through this, you know, Mm -hmm. like he's just an asshole. I feel like he wants to find this like, ain't she a bitch kind of like camaraderie with Tommy Lee Jones. And I love the fact that he won't give that to him, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, too. But like he does kind of steal a little bit of her thunder at the end. Like I'm even looking at the IMDb credits and like his name's above hers and like Mm -hmm. on the poster, his head is higher and. You know, I feel like for a movie about female empowerment, he is just kind of showing up at random points. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird thing, right? Where, as you said, Gina, this was so clearly made and targeted for women. And yet we had to have a Tommy Lee Jones in here to help sell some of this action and mm-hmm. have a male figure. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know, do you two feel like this is a bit of a bygone? Like if this movie was remade now, would we still have this Tommy Lee Jones character? Because in a way, he he is driving a lot of these action set pieces. She has to keep staying one step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And yet part of me is like, in a remake situation, would it really just be her and she just has to solve all these clues to get closer to Bruce Greenwood? I, I think you could do it that way now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I could see this character being a woman in a movie we made now, which would kind of remove that element. Well, to point, to, mm-hmm. to point out to you, I mean, I think that, again, and this movie is not trying to be realistic in any appreciated right. way. <laughs> nope. But, you know, I, I don't think I don't think a man would be hired to oversee a female halfway house anyway. Right. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, I could see him being their parole officer, but he like... Mm-hmm. 
he seems to be in charge of that house. Like, like, yes. you know, he's, he's telling them, he's giving them curfews and all like these grown women and, you know, chastising one of them for going out and continuing to do sex work because she needs the money. I, mm-hmm. I don't think in a situation, I think that would be a woman. So yeah, I, right. I, I feel like, you know, in, in a movie made now, they would just go ahead and I, I and again, another, another thing I pre- I do appreciate about this, though, is there's no romantic connection between the two of them. Oh, thank God. Like, right. and, uh, like after, after a certain point, he's almost kind of fatherly towards her, which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, they could have easily turned it into a romance. And, and so I, I do, I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that route. But yeah. I, yeah, I think definitely you could make his character a woman, and it wouldn't really change much of the the dynamic of the of the story. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I wonder how it would change it because there's part of me like that sees him. He he feels like a fatherly figure to all of them, but like right. the kind of father that like doesn't want to know when you got your period or like doesn't want to like, <laughs> know anything about your like you know like your girl stuff. Like he seems very hands off and i mean that's kind of his whole shtick in this and the fugitive like i don't care what you did i don't care who you are my job is to keep you under like your supervision area Mm -hmm. you know i don't care about that but i wonder if he was played by a woman there's part of me and this could this might be sexist of me to say but like i wonder if he would have been more sympathetic to her plight you know right although we don't really see her explaining it too much to him either i think she's kind of like at this point after being in jail for so long like i really only have myself and Mm -hmm. you know so i can't trust any of you yeah it definitely feels like the thing that she's taken away from jail is not just the skill set that she's going to need and even like the the physical attributes like she can run harder and survive all kinds of action sequences mm-hmm. but yeah it definitely seems to be you can only rely on yourself don't trust anybody don't try to convince them that you are innocent or that you were framed because it's just not going to work exactly yeah and it's only going to put you further behind mm-hmm. yeah i guess the the only other thing that i really really don't like about this movie and specifically about tommy lee jones's character is that there is that one moment It's so reflective of the times, but we talked about how he comes down really hard on that one woman who he Mm -hmm. calls out for going back to sex work. But then when he needs information about Libby, he goes to this character we have never met. She's a woman of color working in the DMV or something. Mm -hmm. And he basically threatens to expose the fact that she used to do sex work to her boss in order to get a favor. And it's played for laughs like, does your boss know you used to perform fellatio? And it's just like, wow, that is shockingly late 90s. And it it rings so tone deaf now. And, and again, like that would get him in trouble, at least as much as it would get mm-hmm. her in trouble. Because mm-hmm. that all that is supposed to be comp- it's supposed to be confidential. You know, that that's like Right. You know, that's that's a criminal record. And and, and, mm-hmm. and anyway, this I do actually know because I did actually used to do this for a living. They they would have her criminal record already. They would already know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she would have had to disclose that to get the job. Right, exactly. And then like I I, I hate that the cherry on the the top of that scene is him like, yeah, you're looking good. It's like Tommy Lee, Ew. come on, you know, you you kind of had a 
you kind of had us on your side, you know, momentarily, and now you're like first harassing and then hitting on your your you know your old client who is mm-hmm. doing perfectly fine for herself now. So right? you know, leave her alone. It's a very icky. It is icky, and it also kind of exposes like how far we've come in understanding sex work and understanding mm-hmm. a living wage. Because like, I mean, if you can make twice as much and you are trying to survive, it just was very. I don't know. Very mm-hmm. early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those moments where I was like, you mean sex worker, right? Sex worker, right? Right. Yeah. She's, and she, and like, I don't know. That's kind of what I mean about like maybe a woman in that role would have been a little more compassionate. I feel like that's really essentialist of me to say, but just, mm. I don't know. I don't think you're entirely wrong. <laughs> well, I certainly don't think a woman, I don't think most women would would top off that you know you oh I'll tell everybody what you did with you know turning around and hitting on you at the same time you know I mean yeah right. mm-hmm. it, it was just a weird sour note in it in, in otherwise in an otherwise uh, pretty harmless movie yeah, yeah exactly. and I think it kind of like just hits on like there's this undercurrent of who the system does and does not work for that just mm-hmm. is kind of pervasive and the movie doesn't interrogate it at all which i'm i'm okay with because that's not really what this movie is about or even really trying to do but it just is kind of a clear representation of who the system is designed to protect and Mm -hmm. who it's not and how that screws over everybody else you know yeah yeah there's a surprising amount of class and race issues at work in this film not that Mm. the film itself is actually interested in addressing or interrogating it yeah it just kind of takes it as the culture which it it is you know Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways so yeah at least the the on on top culture so true Um, ah 99 what a gem yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 we had some good things but then we had some bad things also (laughs) This is true. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think that'll about do it for Double Jeopardy. But uh, before we announce where we're headed next, Gina, if people want to get a hold of you to talk about what is and is not Double Jeopardy in real life, how would they do so? <laughs> uh, I am the co host of the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies according to the characters. Uh, by the time this goes up, we'll be in the middle of a Halloween run, which we are talking about Creep Show, uh, story by Ooh. story. I also write about movies and television at thespool.net, and you can find me on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make sure to check out Gina's piece about the criterion rankings of all of their horror films, because you mm-hmm. put a ton of work into that piece, Gina. Mm-hmm. I did. That took me over a week to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, congratulations. It's yes. really great. Thank you. And Jen, if people want to talk about getting in shape to chase after your deadbeat husband, how would they get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, you can find me at Jen Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast where we talk about Stephen King and the Psychoanalysis podcast where we talk about mental health and horror and just writing and talking about stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if folks want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And of course, a new episode of Horror Queers drops every Wednesday. 
Thanks, as always, to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. Be sure to check out the other shows, such as The Altar Tapes and Good For Her and Bodies of Horror and, I don't know, whatever the hell else we're doing. There's like, a <laughs> ton of stuff happening on the network right now, oh, which yeah. is very exciting. But, uh, ladies, we are going to move forward with a new film, and I think we're going to move a little bit more into the contemporary space, even though the movie is set in the far past. (laughs) So I think, Jen, this was your suggestion. Where are we headed next? Well, I am just painfully smiling over here for just minutes at a time. (laughs) Give it up. Give it up. (laughs) We are going to be watching Pearl. Yay! Yay! Yeah, so Ty West's uh, prequel should be coming out on Blu-ray and DVD around the time the episode drops. But uh, yeah, everybody go back, revisit Pearl, and we will have many things to say, I'm sure, about... Yeah, uh, (laughs) we were talking before, like, it feels like that movie is made for us, you know? Yeah! Oh, boy. (laughs) In the best ways. (laughs) All right. Well, until Pearl, we can close up shop on White Ladies in Crisis. And just remember that if you can't take off the car handle that you are handcuffed to on the first try, do it 16 more times. Exactly. Even if you end up in the ravine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What about a short movie if you hadn't rescued her? Can you just imagine? She's like, oh, oh exactly. into the water. Oh, I'm dead. Right. The yeah. end. <laughs> the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.